This edition of the EdSurge On Air podcast is brought to you by the EdSurge Fusion Conference, an invitation-only event for school and district leaders. Hello, listeners, and welcome to a very special EdSurge podcast extra. I'm one of your co-hosts, Mary Jo Matta. For those of you who listen frequently, you might be a little confused because normally we put on only one episode of the EdSurge on our podcast each week. But this week is special because we're coming to you live from the ISTE 2017 EdTech Conference in San Antonio, Texas, where more than 21,000 educators, entrepreneurs, and administrators have gathered to share the best in EdTech practices and tools. To kick off the festivities, ISTE brought in Jod Abramad to deliver the conference's opening keynote. Jod's got quite a set of accolades. He's a radio host, a composer, a producer, the list goes on. He's probably most famous for being a founder and co-host of the syndicated public radio program, Radiolab. And when we heard that he would be going to ISTE, my EdSurge colleague, Jen Curtis, immediately got on the phone to arrange an interview with him. Now, in a moment, you'll hear her exclusive interview with Jad moments before his ISTE keynote. What are his thoughts about the power of podcasts and storytelling in the classroom? Are the liberal arts still relevant in education? What does it mean to be a well-rounded student? You'll hear his answers to those questions and more right now. Hello, this is Jen Curtis, editor from EdSurge. I am here at ISTE 2017 down in San Antonio, Texas, and I am with Jad Abumrad, host and creator of the radio and podcast series Radiolab, which fuses together storytelling with science and sound. Jad is going to be giving the keynote speech tonight at ISTE, and we are lucky enough to have a chance to sit down with him for a few minutes to chat with him about education and his creative process. Jad, it's wonderful to have you here. Uh, it's great to be here. Thank you. So when I first heard that you were coming, besides my initial reaction was, which was excitement, um, I was a little curious about why ISTE, why education? When I stopped and thought about it, it, it does make sense because Radiolab is really about the joy of discovery and exploration, which is, I think, how a lot of teachers want their classroom to feel. Curious about how you feel you situate yourself within education. Do you see yourself as an educator or an entertainer or something entirely different? Um, that's a good question. I... It's funny. I mean, I feel very spiritually uh, connected to teachers because um, I, I there's a, I do feel like what we're doing is is teaching in it, in it, in its way. Uh, I never want it to feel that way. I never want the the audience to feel as if I'm trying to give them a quote lesson. But um, there are like numerous points in any story where we are, you know, we're trying to get through some sort of technical thing. There's a lot of technical writing, and you're like really trying to explain something. And uh, and you want to do that thing that great teachers do so, like effortlessly or seemingly effortlessly, which is to sort of uh, seduce someone along along with trying to kind of um, explain something. Mm. So keeping them with you, uh, guiding their attention, uh, honoring the nuance of a thought, but not getting so in the weeds that you lose people. Um, all of those things that I think are just like the balance, like that, that crazy Japanese balance that a, that a teacher has to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like we're tackling that two or three times the story. And I know for myself and for Robert, my co-host, and I've also heard Ira Glass say this, that if we weren't doing this, we would be teaching high school or something <laughs> like that. So I do actually feel like a, a, in an adjacent space to teaching, you know? Mm-hmm. 
so it feels really good to be here, and I, I can't wait to talk yeah, to these guys. That, that kind of makes me wonder about your own K through 12 experience growing up. I know that I know a little about your background that you grew up Lebanese American, predominantly you know one of the few minority students in a mostly Christian community. Mm-hmm. What was that K through 12 your own K through 12 experience growing up? Did you have teachers who really made an impact on you, or did you feel more more isolated? Um, I don't. It's funny. I. Um, I think like anyone, I had one or two teachers. Mm. Uh, I can't even remember the others at this point. Um, uh, but I, uh, I remember a couple of things. I remember, um, you know, you learn American history and you don't, you learn, you know, this was at a different point when, let's see, how do I want to say this? Um, I think we've sort of, we've sort of woken up as a, as a teaching community to the fact that like, you know, there's a multiplicity of narratives and you Mm -hmm. have to sort of honor all the different versions of a story. It wasn't really that way when I was teaching. And so, uh, I remember learning American history and then I had numerous times, like 30 years later being like, wait, what? That, that's not at all how I learned it. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, you know, there, there's a lot of that, um, in my upbringing, but then I had a couple of teachers. I had a I had a, a writing teacher. I had one of the few teachers that really asked me to kind of critically engage something. Uh, you know, what do you think of this? Make an argument. All of those things that I now feel like um, I got a lot of in college, and I also feel like I'm doing that every single day. Mm. Now you're trying to take some sort of like huge bit of information and take it in, and then wrestle with it and struggle with it, and then make an argument about it. Uh, and then and then try and convince other people. Um, I had one teacher who engaged me in that way in high school, and I think and, that, and she's the one I remember. You know, so um, when that happens, it, it's often hard. I know it's hard for teachers to teach that way because it's very um, formalist. Mm. Uh, there are not a lot of ways to measure the success, but it's it's the one thing that I feel like was successful with me. Yeah. You know. Well, when you're talking about how you didn't have many teachers who were able to connect with you in that way, in a way that truly engaged, and maybe there were certain um, cultural parts that were left out of your education. One of the things I love about podcasts is they do have that potential to really reach people, even in pockets where maybe otherwise they they wouldn't be getting that information. Um, but there's also a lot of stereotypes about who listens to podcasts, which seem to at least partially ground in truth, the idea that it's a mostly well-educated, mostly affluent audience. Is that something, as someone who produces radio, that you think about um, and that you're actively trying to broaden that audience? And if so, how to do that, how to make it more expansive? Yeah, that's, a, that's something we think about a lot. I mean, the, uh, I started out in radio, and radio was this thing where you could, you could be in your car and flipping through the dial and then encounter some story that you didn't expect and that you didn't choose. Mm. And so, like, there is serendipity built into the whole experience. Um, that's sort of been uh, built out of the technology now because if I'm going to go listen to a podcast, I've got to choose that podcast. And likely I'm choosing it because someone I know who I have a lot in common with tells me they like it. Mm-hmm. And so the, sort of the word of mouth is self-reinforcing. And so a lot of people who are kind of like you choose to listen to you, uh, which is great. I mean, you have a really deep, intimate connection with those people, but it's also, as you say you can feel like you're in a bubble a lot of the time, and that bubble is real. I mean, it's, there's no sugarcoating it. Uh, and I'm talking like a bubble, like racially, socioeconomically, like politically. Um, it can feel a little bit like an echo chamber. But um, something we've been talking about a lot is, um, I mean, there are all kinds of conversations happening about getting more diverse in our, in our reporters and in our staff, but also trying to figure out ways to like once you do a story on the podcast and you put it out there, um, 
we're trying to figure out ways where we can still follow that story into the world, uh, where we can create actual brick and mortar like conversations uh, in different parts of the country. Uh, you know, because we're mm -hmm. doing a lot of stuff that's pretty controversial these days uh, or politically sensitive. Uh, and I want to see how those conversations play out in the world. Mm. Not just because I feel like it's a good thing to do, but because I actually feel like I'd learn something. You know, I'd actually be like, oh, yeah, this is playing out not how we want it. Uh, okay, I get, I get it. I get our impact isn't working the way we want. Okay, let's mm. try talking about it this way instead of that way. So I feel like our learning uh, in this is, requires us actually trying to pierce that bubble. Mm -hmm. And I can't think of any way to do it aside from actually just like getting your coat on and walking out of the studio and into somebody else's world. Yeah. So we're going to be doing a lot more of that this year. Yeah. When it comes to creating these stories and going from having the ideas that you have or the questions um, and then taking it all the way through to the end of that process, obviously there's a lot of steps that go into that. Um, and I heard you talk before about your own education and your, how formative college was for you in terms of learning how to be a creative person. Mm -hmm. What are the skills that you think it takes to do something as complex and as multifaceted as Radiolab? And are those skills that you feel like can be taught or that just need to be absorbed over time? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I wouldn't know how to how to. I can take a small piece of that. I mean, what are the <laughs> skills? Gosh, I, I I think there's a. Um, there's something to do with like, uh, with um, there's some sort of balance between being super skeptical and super mm -hmm. open to wonder, right? Mm -hmm. There's some balance that I feel like we're always, like, literally. I feel like if you drew like circles around different parts of our piece. I would say that's the part where we're really like being skeptical and we're like wrestling with something. Mm. And this is the part where we want, we're looking for that moment of awe. Uh, and then increasingly I feel like there's another circle I would draw on different parts of our stories where it's like, this is the part where we're really trying to hold multiple truths, you know? We're trying to figure out, oh, like th this person is having a true experience with the information and that seems somehow simultaneously at odds with this other person's truth and they seem kind of in their way simultaneously true right so we have those moments where we're trying to grapple with multiple realities so i don't know how i don't know how you learn this but i think um it really helped me to have a lot of science training mm. to know um when to know how to think critically uh about what is true because what you learn in science, like the first thing you learn is that you can't actually prove anything true. You can only prove things false. So that kind of mindset I think is really useful to have at a certain point. Um, but I also like, I was a humanities guy and I, did, I took a lot of music and I took a lot of uh, writing and where you're sitting in these poetry workshops. And that's as precise in its way as science, but it's also, mm -hmm. it's, it's trying to gear you to find wonder and meaning, you know, and to find um, the poetics of something. So I feel like that, is an important thing yeah. that someone should learn. Um, and at the same time, you have to have a real tolerance for ambiguity, you know, because uh, a lot of these stories, the process of making the story, half the time you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but also, this, I feel like that is actually the honest answer to a lot of questions is like, this, this, maybe this, maybe that, a little bit of that, but on the other hand, on this hand. So, like, you have to honor that, right? So, you yeah. have to have a tolerance for that kind of like, you know, holding many ideas at once. 
So I don't know how you get that, that yeah. last part. Well, I, I, heard you, I heard you mention your liberal arts background when you yeah. were in college, and I think that this is something which I, I, I have a creative writing background myself, and I spent a lot of time sort of, I was a former English teacher, bemoaning the move away from teaching the liberal arts in schools. Do you think that there's a still a place for that, or is that something which, as education seems to be changing, students can, in adults even, can be getting that in other places? You know, honestly, like one of the things that I sort of think about um, is it feels like the humanities are in crisis right now. Mm. Like, um, uh, as much as we talk about like the, like a lack of science literacy in our in our country, which is real, uh, I feel like STEM is is, is has take has, has deep footholds in education right now. Steam, well, steam, steam is with arts, right? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so, but, but it's um, kind of like they just tack that on. Yeah, so like, it's yeah. like I, I feel like sci- like STEM is really is like the importance of that has been mm. really embraced. But the humanities, like the importance of the humanities, it has been lost in a lot of places. And for me, like everything I do is being filtered. Like if I'm, if we're doing science journalism, it's science for poets, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like I feel like that for me, that sense of well-roundedness, that sense of like having to sort of read ten different things and critically kind of think think about the connections between them, um, that for me made all the difference, you know. Uh, so I, it makes me a little sad to see like liberal art, classic liberal arts educations uh, withering a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's the only way to do it, but that's what really worked for me. Yeah. I'm wondering that, is, and I guess for you personally, do you get that information? Do you get that fix on the arts somewhere else? Now that you're obviously not in school yourself anymore, where do you go for that? Is it is it podcasts? Is it reading? Is it going to museums, lectures? Where where in our society do you go to kind of get your fill of that kind of stuff? Um, well, you know, podcasting. I, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts just because every time I listen, I it feels like work a little bit. <laughs> so. Um, Mostly what I do is I go, to, I, I, I try to go to the movies a lot or watch movies and, um, you know, being in New York, it's, you can go to plays and things. Um, I read a lot and really just in the last couple of years, like I, for a long, long time, I would read the stuff I needed to know for work. Mm-hmm. And so reading became kind of a chore, mm. but just like I literally like two, about a year ago was like, I'm going to start reading fiction again. And so I just started, you know, it's like I, so I, I'm trying to read a lot. And uh, I mean, it's interesting when you read like Abraham Lincoln's biographies. He it was one, he would he would go to the theater in the middle of the Civil War. Like yeah. fifty thousand people would have died on his watch that day, but he knew that he had to go to the theater in order to have any kind of mm-hmm. like um, ability to process that. You know. Yeah. So um, I try in my own small way to be like Abraham Lincoln and just go, <laughs> like go go to the. Just go, I like just see things that are so outside of your little area, uh, just as a way to get perspective. Yeah, we only have a minute left. Would you like to give our listeners like uh, either a book or film recommendation, something that will could potentially be mind opening for them and get them out of that that daily grind you're alluding to? Sure. I mean, I'll, one that I just saw that I thought was great. Um, geez, how do you say the guy's name? Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Do you know the guy who did um. Arrival? Oh, Villeneuve, Villeneuve, Villeneuve. Um, you're I don't know. I'm gonna say it wrong, but that guy. So uh, <laughs> I saw Arrival, which I liked, and so yeah. I started watching his earlier movies, and working my way back. And I just watched one called Incendi. Incendi? Uh, I think that's how it's said, uh, and it's about the Lebanese Civil War. Um, I think he took a play and he turned it into a movie, 
And it's about this brother and sister, basically, in the sort of wake of the chaos of the war, trying to go back and find their uh, father, Mm -hmm. uh, who they'd never met. And it's got the craziest twist in it that um, it's one of those twists where, like, you first, you're watching and you're just like, what? And then, like, three seconds later, you're like, oh. And then five seconds after that, you're like, Oh, oh, and then you have to lie down, right? <laughs> it's one of those where, like, the like it, yeah. the whole story gets reframed in this moment that is so like crazy, surprising, and tragic, and that makes so much sense if you know anything about Lebanese history. So that, and it's just great. It's just like super, super compelling story. So. Okay, listeners, check that out. That I'll have to do the same. Yeah. Well, Jed, that was all we have time for today. But I want to thank you so much for taking this time, and excited to hear your keynote tonight and hear your further thoughts. What are you, what's your plan for ta- what you're going to talk about? I'm going to talk about the experience of like being stuck and mm. being lost, uh, and how there's some benefit to it. You know, nice. so that's basically it. Wonderful. This has been an Ed Surge On Air Extra. This episode was produced and edited by me, Mary Jo Matta, while Ed Surge assistant K-12 editor Jen Curtis conducted the interview. There's more where this episode came from. You can hear all of our interviews and sound bites on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you decide to listen to podcasts. And if you've got feedback or like what you hear, leave us a review or shoot us a note at feedback at edsurge.com. We'll see you next time.